Don't miss The Marvels in theaters on November 10th and see where the Marvel stories all began when you watch Captain Marvel, WandaVision, and Miss Marvel only on Disney+. Plus. Plan starting at $7.99. On November 10th, Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson reunite on the big screen as Captain Marvel and Nick Fury to assemble the MCU's next team, the Marvels. After Captain Marvel gets her powers entangled with teenage superhero Miss Marvel and Captain Monica Rambeau, the three heroes will learn teaming up changes everything. Don't miss Captain Marvel's return November 10th in The Marvels, only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Get your tickets now. You are now listening to Femregard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, fam, fam. We have another fantastic guest for you. Oh, so good. So this one was so good. So good. And we're actually recording this um, a lot earlier than you are going to be hearing it um, because we just did an IG live with our guest who I will introduce in a moment. Um, But her film is coming to Scream Scream LA, which is right now in October. So we wanted to make sure we got to share her work with you guys. We got to introduce you. But this episode is going to be releasing closer to her actual theatrical release for her film, which is pretty fucking cool. Uh, because this was a like no budget, like super uh, minimal film, but it's getting a theatrical release, which is really cool. Yeah, she, I mean, she'll tell you herself, she didn't expect it to to turn into this. And I think that's just a testament to them putting in really good, like storytelling, Mm -hmm. and they made the most with what they had, they really like treated it as professionally as they can. And it was done in their apartment (laughs) during COVID. So it's, um, it's a really cool though. I think you guys are going to learn a lot from how they approached the production side of things, but also just the storytelling. And I think it'll become very apparent why we love what she's doing as well as, you know, um, what she does in general, like beyond yes, just this exactly. film. We talk a lot about just like career kind of stuff. So um, so without further ado, her name is Emily Bennett, and she is the co-writer and co-director and starring in Alone With You. Enjoy. So thank you so much, Emily, for coming on today. Listeners, if you tuned in back when we did an IG Live with Emily, um, we talk all about her feature film, which we're going to talk about more today because it's getting closer and closer to release time for her now. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you guys so much. I'm such a fan of your work. So yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to see Alone With You because whenever Matt Kelly, who was who is who introduced us to you, told us about it, he was like, you guys are going to love this film. Like, it sounds like exactly your style and what you love to do. So I think you guys are going to be super excited. So yeah, we're excited to hear about it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been <clears throat> from conception to uh, premiere and now sharing it with festival audiences and then, you know, moving towards this release date. Um, it's been uh, completely unexpected. <laughs> um, it started with a dream and and now it's, uh, yeah, it's getting out into the world. So excited to share the nightmare with people. Love it. <laughs> so you had some pretty uh, unique circumstances <laughs> for creating mm-hmm. this film. So tell our listeners about that. 
Yeah. So uh, the 2020 lockdown, uh, I had just moved in with my boyfriend, Justin Brooks, um, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, which went into just lock lockdown. Like we did not leave. We got Instacart delivered, uh, Whole Foods, if we could find a delivery slot. We didn't know what to do. No one knew what to do. Um, and so we plopped on the couch with our cats and watched a bunch of reality TV. And then we were like, you know what? We need to do something. And Justin comes, he's a brilliant cinematographer. He comes from the tech world. He owns a ton of gear and equipment. Um, and I come from the acting world. I trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, my, probably my most famous classmate was Tom Hiddleston, uh, Loki, who's uh, an amazing guy. Um, Wow. Yeah, but I come from like this classical theater background and right. um, an appreciation for black box theater as well as West End and Broadway. And <clears throat> so finding ourselves in this apartment together during lockdown, we we looked at each other and we were like, we, we have to do something. Um, so we created two short films during the lockdown, but somehow that wasn't enough. Um, so we were like a lot of people, um, we were supposed to be going into production on a different feature in 2020 and then lockdown happened. So our producers, uh, Andrew Corkin uh, and Theo James who did Martha Marcy, May Marlene, um, We Are What We Are, they, you know, they were ready to go with a different film and we reached out to them and we were like, we have a crazy idea. Mm -hmm. Would you guys be into this? And they were like, tell us more. Um, so the idea for Alone With You uh, initially came from a short film that Justin had written. Um, male lead, totally different story, but ideas take time to incubate yeah. and we couldn't start from scratch. We didn't want to start from scratch because it's, it's too vast, right? It's like the blank page is the most terrifying thing. If you can do like, what am I going to do? We can do anything. Like that terrifies me. I was like, what do we have? Like, where can we jump off from? Um, so we took this script, which <clears throat> bears almost no resemblance to the, the film that we made, uh, turn the main character into a female and figured, you know, we didn't want to make a film about COVID, but we did want to make a film about the anxieties of the claustrophobia we were all feeling, yeah. the separation from all of the relationships that are dear to us in our lives and really define us. Mm -hmm. And when those relationships are taken away, who are we left with? Um, and who are we? And how terrifying can we make that? Mm -hmm. um, so... We wrote a scriptment. Um, I was our AD. I negotiated our SAG contracts. Um, we were one of two features to be greenlit in 2020 in New York and set to work and shot all summer, taking about two days off. No crew other than myself and Justin. Uh, we co-wrote and co-directed and um, somehow did not murder each other in the process. <laughs> Um, I yeah. was shocked. So you being a part of union, you still had to go like through an approval process for this, this film or explain uh, to me, I'm a little, not sure how that works. A hundred percent. No, it, it's very complicated. So Andrew was our um, producer, but he, he lives in LA and we're New York based. So none of us were traveling. All of us were terrified to travel, obviously. Um, so I, I'm a producer as well. I'm a commercial producer, uh, digital content, things like that. Um, so I was like, you know what? I've negotiated SAG contracts before. I am SAG. So to do my due diligence for my union, I negotiate my own contracts sometimes if I'm producing. So basically what I did, um, and most of, our, most of our talent was off off site. So Barbara Crampton was remote. Dora Madison was remote. Emma Miles was the only person who would be kind of in the vicinity. Mm -hmm. And even then we still shot with her six feet away. Uh, we tested, we had a COVID officer on set um, on those days, yeah. but negotiating this contract was really tricky. I mean, SAG was understandably terrified to green light anything during this time. Um, so I was talking to the head of theatrical contracts, Leif Larson, in the SAG office. Um, and thankfully, the New York SAG office wasn't that busy at the time because <laughs> um, nobody was shooting anything. That's yeah. true. So, yeah, um, they, you know, it's funny because they kept 
we we had a few conference calls when we were trying to go for a July 1st like start date yeah. and they kept saying like you guys have to test you have to COVID test like three times a week and we were like we live together yeah. there, there are no other crew on set and if you want us to go test that that's actually putting us in danger yeah um to leave our apartment and like go to a doctor it's so so, so many people got sick at that time because it was just like yeah if you were already sick at that point people were going to get tested yeah so well, uh, during that time especially it was just such an influx yeah well and we didn't know as much as we know now and yeah. people who were going to test were experiencing symptoms so it was actually really dangerous so um I did find a company that is CDC uh approved that's like a mail-in kit okay um so we did that when Emma had to be on set which was about three days total okay um so we mailed kits to her to us um and the I mean those were very rare that again three days otherwise you know I basically had to kind of just inculcate and remind SAG like we don't have a crew this film alone with you was literally shot with two people with with myself and my co-writer and co-director Justin Brooks so I was the gaffer I was the AD and the lead of the film so yeah I was like that doesn't happen what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) super super chill set totally um Yeah, but the experience, I, I don't know. Um, it's not the feature we expected to make for our first feature. Um, you know, and we have solo projects as well, but working together on this, you know, people often ask, you're still together? Yeah. Um, and uh, the answer is, yeah, it actually brought us a lot closer and in a way helped us focus during such a terrifying time in the world. So that makes yeah. sense. It's like Tessa and I, like, we're co-producers in our work and it's a marriage like we have to find balance and Mm -hmm. be respectful at all like in general like you just got to be fucking respectful to like whatever you work (laughs) yeah but like yeah it's just like no I think it totally makes sense um you know if, if you're if you don't have an ego which we don't like when we work together I think that you can absolutely have like a close relationship um, and still be friends and still like have a marriage or, you know, whatever yeah. relationship. So that's, that's really, I can't say that's not trying. I can't say that's, that there's not like testing moments, but that is really cool. That just, that speaks a lot to both of y'all's character. Yeah. Well, thank, I mean, and it speaks to you guys like working together as well, because once the personal relationship, regardless of what kind of personal relationship that is, the work relationship honestly, I find very comforting. It's very, um, it's not with with us, at least it's not emotional. It's all serving story. It's serving character and story. And as long as we hold that up and that's our constant goal to make the best film that we can, ego goes away. I love Um, that. And it can, it can bubble up and then, you know, we can call, I call myself on it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm making a call. That's not the best thing for the film. And, and, you know, we, we find those moments, but as long as you have the goal of the film, the story, it becomes this, I don't know, comfort. And we have a mutual goal. We, we have something to work towards. So honestly, as maddening and, um, you know, we've <laughs> alone with you has been called the uh, panic attack of a film. Um, <laughs> in a way, this panic attack helped us both um, through a very difficult time and brought us even closer. Yeah, I love that. That's and nice. I love what you were saying about ego too. It's like your work, uh, you, you do everything you do to serve the story. And, you know, that's what everybody should be doing, but it's not what everybody does in this business, you know? So it's just, it goes to show, like, if you can check your ego at the door, not only is it going to be a better experience for everyone, it's going to be a better end product, you know, because if you guys had both had egos going into this, it probably wouldn't have even gotten finished, you know, because you guys were stuck together anyway. Like, I think you would have wanted to kill each other. (laughs) It could have blown up in our faces in so many ways, honestly, but it, it really does. Honestly, I love, I love on a set because, and this is just, it, it speaks to how lucky I've been in the people that I work with, because I do feel that gender, the, the ideal is that gender kind of goes away on set. 
and that equality reigns and no one it, the director is calling the shots and the writer has created this story and we are serving the story yeah. and that's the goal you know yeah absolutely it, it's just and and believe i i cannot wait to work with more women uh, in film like uh, those are some of my dearest collaborations and honestly we we wanted to make this justin is a man <laughs> um obviously but he we both agreed this had to be a female film. We wanted every single voice in Alone With You to be a female voice. There are no male voices. There are no male speaking characters. And that is very, even, even the song that is Simone and Charlie's song by a wonderful um, duo, Gracie and Rachel, highly recommend them. Uh, Brooklyn-based, just songstresses. They're incredible. Um, but even that, we we chose this is a female film mm -hmm. um, and, and it is purely uh, an examination of, it's a character study, a paranoia thriller. And um, yeah, I, I'm just so, I'm so blown away by the, the love that we've gotten from people because it's a slow burn too, you know, it's not, we don't have explosions or, you know, it's not like a classic slasher. It takes time and it takes investment, so. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you guys responded to it too. That means so much. Yeah, I mean, personally, uh, I can't wait to see it because it I sounds like the stuff that I love the most. Like, yeah. I yeah. love a slow burn psychological thriller where it's like the character's going crazy and you're watching and you feel like you don't know who to believe either. Like, if you can trick mm -hmm. the audience into also feeling like paranoid or, you know, whatever it is that the character's going through, like, that's, you know, you have a good film. <laughs> Totally agree. Well, and and I will say, you know, as a as a director, as a writer and director who helped construct Charlie, the character of Charlie, um, that is a completely different relationship <clears throat> than playing her, because yeah. Charlie, as you watch the film, I, I don't want to give anything away, but Charlie is a very complicated woman. Um, she has she's in a relationship with a woman. Her mother is clearly not very approving of that. She comes from a different background that was a bit more puritanical and judgmental. And it's it's the culmination of all of her relationships and, and the tensions there. Mm -hmm. and, and Charlie's not perfect by any means. And we constructed her to be very um, challenging, but playing her is a totally different experience because I have, I love her. She is, she is beautiful and I empathize with her. I have to be her. And so it, it's, it's such a tricky relationship to direct yourself and yet not ever judge that character. So that was kind of the, the tightrope that I walked as director and actor, which you'll experience soon. Yeah, right? I was going to say, I, like, this is what, I wanted to get into a little just because I will be playing Isla, the protagonist in our film. Yeah. I think the one thing that I have a bit of an advantage is when writing both my character and Tessa's characters, I pulled a lot from us and our own personalities and just like amplified them. So yeah. I feel like I, and that was something cool too. I'm like, I want our podcasters, like our community to like kind of recognize the elements of us in these characters. Yeah. They're like close, but I just, you know, it's, it's how do you sometimes take yourself out of that and give push because it's still not entirely me, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. It is a lot like me, but she isn't me. So do you just kind of then exercise have a list of things that I should do to separate myself like this is this is really an Isla like um characteristic that isn't how Carolina would act does that make sense like I think I might need to do some more like I understand her the character but how to create that line that I'm not I'm not just me you don't become a method actor that turns into your yeah. character <laughs> but at the same time I've always been like you know I know the words I know like I, I've written the words I know the story I I think it's cool when you can just throw yourself into it and I don't maybe necessarily need to judge myself too hard it's just it's a lot to think about <laughs> it would be my first feature film directing it so I'd be 
just like all these things I'm considering. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I should take that pressure off and just enjoy the work that I'm doing now. hundred percent. Well, and I think, I think it's really smart that you guys are tapping into your own personality traits and your own selves too, because every character, um, Edward James almost has this great quote. And I, I love, I fucking love this quote. It's don't let anybody fuck with your truth. Mm. Don't let anybody fuck basically with that foundation, like that sense of no BS, that sense of self and where you're coming from, because that, that is the clarity in your eyes. That is the certainty in your voice. That is the, the decisions that you make, even if you're just getting a coffee, it's that truth. You know what I mean? And tapping into that that is it's so important and it's, it's what everything comes from. And if you can tap into, if you can really hold true what you find to be honest, and it's, it's kind of this indefinable, like it's hard to describe, but to call it a truth, that's where you start with everything, I think. Um, unless you're playing someone who's just totally separated from reality, like completely. But I, I think it's so smart to tap into the qualities and the truth that you find in yourselves and then to put yourselves in situations that you probably haven't been in before, because a film is like, why today? What is the most, what, why is this film happening today? It's something extraordinary is happening. Yeah. That's why film exists. And it, it's putting, it's finding that truth and then putting yourself there so that you can react genuinely, I think. Yeah. That, that's what I have found for myself. That's yeah. so well said. I love that. I mean, I mean What's the Meisner quote that's uh, living truthfully moment to moment under imaginary circumstances? Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's you know, how Meisner defines acting, but like, it's so, it's it's beyond just acting. It's, it's creating a story. It, it deals with directors also have to be making sure that that truth is coming out, you know, moment to moment from other actors. So mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah. I really love that. And then that specter too, like, you know, talking with investors and getting different feedback. It's just, it comes back to, well, okay, but uh, we know like what our truth and our story, like keeping that in focus, what our story is supposed to be about. So mm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't leave room for you to feel wounded or like discouraged if, if it doesn't work out. That just like mm. gave me just some clarification there too, because it's, it can be trying sometimes, especially if someone says that you should scrap it. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like I, I, I came up as an actor. I'm a rep screenwriter. Now I've, I've got a couple options out there. I'm, I'm, I'm working. I will always be an actor, but I, I will continue to work towards being primarily a writer director because I want to work with other actors. I love actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're my favorite people. I, they're who I spent so much of my life with and I just I get them and I understand them um but you know auditioning and both of you know this as well it's just constant rejection um constant 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 no 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 or just nothing just silence people ghost you and you're just like oh okay I didn't get that job but at at the end of the day it's made me a better writer and a better pitcher because honestly it doesn't matter if I get notes that this is just pure bullshit because I know that's not true. Um, I just know it's true for you and yeah. that's okay. And, and you're still going to have bad days. You're still going to be like, mom, I don't know what I'm doing. But like at the end of the day, you, you find your truth and that has value because a lot of people can't ever find that. And that's precious. And to, to find that and hold on to that, that is what will be your compass for your career. So mm-hmm. instead of looking to the next pitch, instead of looking to the next audition, the next meeting, having that goal, it's almost having the goal of the story of your life as your guiding light. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. finding that the truthful stories and the stories that mean so much to you, that will guide you along the way. And you'll meet people that shouldn't be a part of your journey anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's, that's how I, I deal in the, in my best day. That's how I typically try to think of things like that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't well, always work out, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's, I mean, it's rewiring our brain really. And I, I think it's interesting that like, 
especially out here in LA, which is known for being, you know, more like woo woo or whatever out here. But like a lot of acting classes do have that like mindset part of it where, especially if they're like business acting classes, they're like, okay, here's how you do all the business stuff. But remember like you are enough and like all of that, you know, mindset. And yeah, I always wonder, is it like, I'm like, is that just an LA thing? Because like we're known (laughs) for being so like woo woo out here and stuff, but like, it is so important. And it is a lot of people don't, you either like already know that, like you've, you've already figured that out for yourself. That's how you live or like mm. it's such a foreign concept and you can say it, but you can't really believe it. Like it's so, you know, it just depends how you're wired and it's doing that whole rewiring and like, mm. you can't really move forward until you've figured that out. Yeah. It, it it's so true. And you know, it's funny because I, I come from, I've lived in New York now for like over 10 years. Um, I trained, I'm from the South. I trained in England for years and then I moved to New York and I feel like I have a bit more, I definitely have an East coast sensibility about myself. I look at myself very logically these days. And if I don't get a role, like for the next film that Justin and I are doing together, uh, there's a lead female in it. She's a phenomenal character, wounded, just just awesome. Like you just want to like sink your teeth into this character. I would never cast myself as this girl, ever. I'm not the type. I am not. I'm not her. And that's that sucks because she's great. But I also know I'm not the best person to tell that story. And so that journey writing. Now when I audition, I know when I'm not right for something and and it becomes a lot clearer. It's not about like, am I enough? Or like, am I, am I good? Am I doing the work? Am I like suffering enough? Am I, am I concentrating enough? Am I, you know, in touch with my whatever? Like sometimes I'm just not right for it. I look a certain way and you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to play certain types of characters unless I work towards that. Unless I'm, I'm like really trained, like I could, I could bodybuild and I could be like, ah, you know, be like Sigourney Weaver and like alien. I'm probably going to get cast as like a, I'm very pale and I, (laughs) I, I get cast as like, you know, kind of romantic wounded characters a lot, um, which is great. But if I want to change that, now I get to write that mm-hmm. and I get to create that. And now that I've started making my own work, people have started looking at me differently because casting's just trying to tick boxes. You know, yeah. you're trying to help them, but sometimes they can't see past what, what, you know, the self tape you're sending in, uh, you know, what you're able to show. So I think the fact that you guys are making your own work too is only going to help your career exponentially because you can start to shift. <laughs> you really can. You can start to shift how people see you because yeah, you're taking absolutely. that initiative. Absolutely. It's, the, it's been so fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. It's been really cool too. To learn production as a whole, I just feel so comfortable on set now, like in general, like I understand the space. I don't, I know what the director's looking for because it's hard when sometimes as an actor, like I've seen it Mm -hmm. on set, they don't know what's happening in post. And like, since I edit now too, it's like, I I know what he's at. He's, you know, he's not thinking of it from the actor perspective and I can understand that, but now I wouldn't second guess him because I know exactly what he needs to get that shot because it's, it, the magic's going to be done in post-production. So just stay with the emotion or, you know what it is. So I just like love it so much now because I can, I can see the puzzle pieces and like, it's cool. Cause everyone's doing storytelling in their own way. And we can just like, I don't know, empower that and like not feel lost or like, like you said, just, um, or feel upset if we don't get something. Carolina and I are excited to talk to you, fam, about one of our newest sponsors. We are obsessed longtime users, which makes us extra excited for us to share with you, fam. So if you're into filmmaking, and really, why else would you be here? You've probably already heard of Celtics. Whether you're creating a feature film, short film, episodic series, video ad, or really any kind of video content, Celtics's video production tools can help you break and structure your story, write and edit your script, and manage every step of the pre-production and production process. You can 
guide story ideation with digital index cards, write your script using one of four script templates, set the visual direction for your project using the storyboard tool, break down your script quickly and easily with script asset tagging, create daily shooting schedules, production calendars, and call sheets, manage budgets and track costs, and do it all from a secure, cloud-based, and team-focused online studio. Head to Celtics.com, that's C-E-L-T-X.com, to create your free two-project Celtics account. When you sign up, you'll get unlimited access to Celtics's full suite of tools for your first seven days. Celtics, the all-in-one solution for script writing and video production planning. The amount of songs and sound effects on Jambox is insane. I can't believe these are almost all exclusive to their database. Plus, you can use the stems to make your own. So many resources. Uh, it's wild and affordable. For the kind of indie films we make, we're probably only ever going to pay between $9.99 and $19.99 a month. That's cheaper than a lot of music we've licensed in the past. And the composers that created this music work for huge studios and creators. We're talking directors like Scorsese and global brands like DJI. That's huge. <laughs> yep, that's how you know they're good. And because they love creators, they gave us a discount code to share with our fam. 10% off with code FEM10. Aw, how sweet. We love working with companies like Jambox that actually care and know what creators need. Connecting filmmakers with ridiculously good music and sound effects. So check out jambox.io and remember to use our code FEM10. That's F-E-M-M-E 10. Well, and I think I think that appreciation for character in theater is so it's so important because it, it gives you so many tools that you can use later. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I love what you said about learning about editing and understanding the post process, because that if you don't understand that and and as a younger film actor, like I would go into set and I had no, I, I thought the director was I didn't know what they were doing because I was just yeah, like, I exactly. just have to do the scene like a play. Right. Um, and then slowly, you know, I, I trained with different film gurus, Bob Krakauer, who I recommend so highly. Um, but you start to learn what post is and is about, and now I edit as well. And so oh. finding, finding moments, <clears throat> it, you start to understand that you're, you're, you're giving little puzzle pieces that will eventually make a greater picture and once you understand that you can give in you know you can give yeah. in to different processes um because di directors work differently I've worked with with directors who want to go for 17 takes and that's fine and it's in a safe environment not like a, a Kubrick Shelley Duvall kind of situation yeah. but like you know like do a lot of takes and like yeah it's good to get a little tired and like do that and then I know some directors who are just like first take you know we'll do two if we need to and then we're we're moving and, but once you, you kind of are familiar with the post-process and all of the moving parts in film, you really can kind of give into moments because mm -hmm. film's about moments. That is, you know? yes, that's what I was trying to say. It's like, get, <laughs> like hold that moment. That's just what they need because they'll do whatever they need to in post and you got to just trust them. Like, and that's, if you understand that process, it's easier to give in and trust it. So that's what I found and exactly what you said. It's really cool to just be like, okay, I get it. I know it. I like, you know, and hundred percent. Well, and, and I have to say on that topic, um, never before, uh, before alone with you, I've never had to trust that process so much in my life <laughs> because I, as the main character as Charlie, you know, we had Barbara Crampton on, we had Dora Madison on. I never had a scene partner. I was acting with green screen the entire time. So that, yeah, that oh. process was insane. So basically yeah. we, um, I would rehearse with Dora and I am with Barbara, who's incredible. Um, she, and they were both so kind and we, we would record, uh, we sent them cameras. Uh, they, they would record different takes and different options for us. And with Barbara, I was on an actual Zoom call with her, but we weren't recording the Zoom. Basically, she was recording herself on a GoPro with headphones so that her audio was usable. 
and this is the weirdest thing. And this, this still blows my mind to like, think about the process of working in this way. <clears throat> Basically there is a camera on me just for some sense of continuity on what I'm doing, but we're not using any of my footage. We're using her footage. So my performance, I'm directing her through my performance. I'm giving her moments that she can react to that days later I will act with. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it does. does. But that's Trippy. crazy. Yeah. That's so to to go back to what we were talking moments, like post, finding those moments in film, I had to fully trust yeah. that A, I was doing my job as a, an actor and yeah. believing that when I was acting with the take that we had chosen for Barbara for the mother character volumes down I can't even hear her but I'm acting with her as if it's happening right now because I had to watch it over and over and over again to have an idea of what she's doing and then just green my screen out and go my trust in my co-director Justin and in our editor um, Ward Crockett who I've worked with tons um, I've never had to have so much trust in post in my life because I was terrified that none of this was working. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I feel the same. Yeah. But again, it's moments. It's And some of it didn't work, but those moments aren't in the film. And we had to pick out those moments and somehow it's a conversation, it's a scene, it's a broken relationship between a daughter and a mother and it becomes something greater than the sum of its parts. I can't wait to see it. The sound <laughs> amazing. I can't- I'm wait. giving you all the secrets like behind the- <laughs> yeah. This is what Ben- Regard podcast is about. I like, no, thank you. Thank you. Like, uh, we are always so gracious to our guests for being so open and sharing these secrets because this is like, this is the money right here. Like, these moments of mm -hmm. like, how did you, like, how did you had a green screen in your apartment? You just like put one up? Like, I mean, with, with green screen, honestly, uh, so I work with um, a VFX artist in Australia, um, Tim Barrige. He is, so great. Um, I met him through a, a short of mine played the Sieges Film Festival a few years ago. I made Dear Friends um, with an Australian director there and he put me in touch with Tim. So Tim, I go to for all of my VFX. Um, and basically he- <laughs> Like yeah. struggling because for our, our psychological thriller, not to cut you off, yeah. but is set in the near- sci-fi future so technology has advanced vastly and so we we're not trying to make anything super complicated but we have some technological elements that we need to show and like I've learned that even having a um a via vh vfx vfx vhs yeah <laughs> my brain these days um is important to even like consult you on like getting those shots and stuff so yeah tell tell me more how'd you build that with him yeah I mean honestly green screen it's not it it's not marvel it's not it doesn't have to be like a big thing a green screen is literally like my phone like we you just download green like key yeah. it's called key green oh my god yeah you just do it and and we would just download and I got like the aspect ratio he needed from him but anything green he could replace so basically um we did that so that in post it's so complicated and an OTS shot you know of me like an over-the-shoulder shot of me acting with Barbara we we need to make those decisions in post so that the timing works out well because if I'm acting with a certain moment of her physically on my screen it may not work in the edit because it's just so many moving pieces so we need to put the exact moment that we need from her on the screen at the exact moment that I'm reacting to it so Green screen literally it it literally means getting the color key green yeah. on your screen. And if you have a good VFX artist like we do, um, and I can totally like give you his contact information. He's just brilliant. Oh, I need that. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's so easy to work with too. He's incredible. You just have to deal with the time difference, which is kind of like what time is it there? Um, but it. I mean, he's just incredible. So that that is literally what we did. There are a few actual green screen moments in the film, yeah. but no spoilers. <laughs> no. Oh my god, no! Of course, I'm ex I'm so excited. And yeah. then you got picked up with 
distribution like yeah tell us us about that that. whole process of of once the film was finished like how you did that (laughs) yeah um so it's a great question because it's so vital to making a film because if you don't find distro no one's going to see your film which is terrifying like you exactly you spend your blood (laughs) sweat and tears and and like if no one's going to see it it's just heartbreaking so we were so fortunate I um you know, I, I love the horror community. I love women in horror. I, I find that they are so supportive and awesome. And like, there are no secrets. Like, you know, how did you do this? Like, to, like everybody is so open. Like secrets, it doesn't matter. Like everything is so available right now. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, I'm going to keep my secret of how I did that. Like, fuck that. That's yeah. so stupid. Um, <laughs> Thank like, you for we, saying that. Cause the people that guard that I'm like, come on, yeah. like we're all in this together. It's not a competition. There's enough room for all of us. Yep. Like uh, 1000%. Yeah. <laughs> well, none of us are the same storytellers. So it's not, it's not a zero sum game. I mean, rarely in anyone's life, are you going to be pitted up against? It's like you or you, it's never the case. Everyone's journey is so different. So sharing information, it's kind and it's what you do. It's like part of being part of this community, especially as women, I think. So I'm super open. So I have awesome friends in the industry. Um, Jen Wexler is a dear friend of mine. She directed The Ranger and she took me uh, to the Fantasia Film Festival up in Montreal a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, with our distro deal, our producer, Andrew, had been talking to many different companies, um, trying to find the best fit for us who, who would like stand behind the, the vision of the film. And I remembered a guy that I had met up in Montreal at Fantasia. He's awesome. He uh, named Josh Goldblum. He actually produced uh, the new VHS film, VHS 94. Um, Brilliant guy, like super like Justin, my co-director partner. Um, Justin has tons of tattoos, shaved head. Like he toured with punk bands for a long time. Um, he looks super badass. I look super normal, um, but we like work well together. I but love I thought, it. Gosh. Oh yeah, it's it's we we take cute pictures. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I met Josh um, at at Fantasia, and he looked a lot like Justin. And I was just like, oh, I'm not scared of guys with tattoos anymore. I'm gonna go talk to this guy. <laughs> Um, and so we just got to talking and he was like, yeah, I work with this distro company sometimes. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. I didn't really know what that entailed at the time. Cause this right. is a few years ago. I had nothing to push or, um, so anyway, fast forward, we finished the film. Um, it's being accepted to different festivals, world premiere at fantastic fest, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, rem- I, I ran into Josh on a, like a virtual party, um like a gather party um like a lot of people are doing like zoom parties now for like and I ran into Josh like quote unquote ran into Josh and um he was just like what have you what have you been up to I was like we made a film he was like can I see it and I was like yeah he watched it and he immediately sent it to Dark Star and they were like we want to rep this so it's literally I, I don't know what I'm doing as far as that goes like I don't know how to like approach like cold call distro companies, no idea how you do that. I know how to have conversations with people and stay in touch and just stay curious. And I literally just stayed in touch with this guy who ended up getting us this wonderful, Dark Star has become, they're such dear people and they really care about us as filmmakers and the longevity of our career and the vision of this film because it's, specific and it's different but it's got enough edge to it that they really responded to it so that's how dark star became our distro company that's amazing I love they're incredible that. i yeah. love hearing stories like that because um i think that's how it ends up happening off more often than not mm-hmm. it's it's not the cold calling it's like we no. met, we talked we stayed in touch we build a relationship and here we are. And yeah. it could be, I love yeah. that. It's not like you guys were even super close. It's literally things happen. You keep putting yourself out there. You keep, you know, connecting with others. I believe that you can bridge those connections, even if you don't think you are doing it. Like, like you said, like, you don't, you didn't really know what you were getting, who you were really talking to or where that was going to lead you. Yeah, no, it, totally. I think I think Malcolm Gladwell said it that your um, 
you don't you don't get ahead in your career because of your friends necessarily you get ahead in your career because of your acquaintances and it's those like it it's fun like you grow the most with your dear friends but it it's those acquaintance like connections mm-hmm. where it's just someone seemed cool and they're like oh let me introduce you to so and so and it builds from there and it's Honestly, I can't speak highly enough of festivals and thank God we're, we're going back into them now. They're so important. They're so important to go to, even if you don't have a film, honestly, like I, if you, if you have a friend who's going to a festival that you think your film that you're in development for, or thinking about writing, if you think like, oh, this, this film could be a good fit for this festival. If you have a friend going to that festival, go meet the programmers, like really find out like what their tastes are, because that, that could shift kind of your idea of the genre you're working in your approach. You get to see what people are actually programming Mm -hmm. and festivals now have become almost bigger for sales than like AFM, like the American film market, the international film markets. Festivals are where audiences are begun. Mm -hmm. Um, So people are really seeing the, the value in that right now. So I, I can't re- recommend festivals enough. Um, right now I'm at, at the Telluride Film Festival and uh, I can't recommend this one enough either. The audiences here are incredible. Um, and that's so yeah. good here because I know we went through a phase when we first started that we were submitting to festivals and we were like, this is so much work and so much money for nothing. And like, I know when I first came out here, I went to festivals, but I didn't really have anything at the time to talk about for myself. Mm. So I felt like, like, what am I going to talk to these people about, you know, and, and, but I just had the bad, I just didn't have a good mindset about it really, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot more value in going to festivals now, even if I don't have something like you said, but it helps that now we do have things to talk about. Even if our film isn't in the festival, we can talk about, you know, our upcoming film or whatever that definitely does help <laughs> when you're meeting people. But yeah, I, my opinion mm-hmm. on festivals has changed a lot over time. Oh, so we became smarter and better because we were dumb. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it on the show, which is why we're, we're so like, forthcoming it's just like yeah we shouldn't have applied to all those film festivals because we didn't do the research to know which were so like which genre specific who who really is running it like who cares now we like are just it's so important filmmakers if you're listening to to do that extra work like really know is it are they aligned with your values do they like like what's the genre, like things like you, like you're saying, yeah, go, go to those festivals and apply to those festivals that Mm -hmm. apply with you. And then, yeah, I love that you said that too. Like now knowing like we have a company, we know what the stories we want to tell. It just makes conversations easier for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say like pulling the veil aside, like festivals will take your money. They will take all of your money. Like they don't care. But when you find the people in those festivals, you'll find the people who respond to your work and those are the people you hold on to. And that's also why you do your research because festivals, they can't program everything. They have very specific goals. And, and it's, again, it's doing research. It's the business side of the business. You know, it's, it's the non-art, but it's, it's finding like, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing a noir in you know I don't know South America who knows but I, you know and it's it's got a female lead so I'm probably not going to like apply to this like bro heavy mm-hmm. run festival like you know who's doing something just totally different like it I am wasting money and time if I'm applying to something that has an energy that is clearly opposite of what I'm creating um so it yeah it's just research and it's finding your people because the people and they'll come out of the woodwork they will reach out to you and they'll be like hey I love this. And when those people come to you, uh, like hold them close. Just, mm-hmm. I, I am so grateful for the, those people who have come into my life through festivals and, and different avenues, because I, I just appreciate them so much because they see what I'm trying so hard to right. do. They see the stories that I care so much they, about. Yeah. They see the truth and they, yeah. it and they want to champion it. And that's, the biggest gift of all yeah yeah I I can't wait to hear more about your film it's so that's very cool and very exciting (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of connection, before we wrap up, um, let our listeners know where they can find you. Um, by the time this episode gets released, it'll be close to your theatrical release too. So any information that you want to share on that, where they can find your work. You know, this is, this is my baby. This is mine and Justin's first, you know, debut feature. So um, we will post about it and share about it all the time because um, we're just so excited to share it with people. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Emily R. Bennett, uh, Bennett, two N's, two T's. Um, I'm constantly, it's primarily for, for work and for celebrating festivals and filmmakers and, and the work that we're doing too. So that's probably the best place to find me. I'm on Twitter. I don't really get Twitter, but <laughs> I'm at Emily R. Bennett there too. Um, and yeah, and, uh, and my website, if you care to see more of my work is www.emilyreneebennett.com. So, um, so yeah, maybe like I have a long name, so I could <laughs> put it in the show notes or something. It's a pretty simple name, though, at least. It's it not like a weird like spelling or, you know. It does, I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy that aspect. <laughs> I play on that a lot because my work is very dark and people don't expect it. So I, I use that to my advantage. Love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. I really love your look. It's like definitely innocent, but I can't wait to see you on screen because I know like there's that, that that's something else that you can channel that's darker and and just more grittier like I I love guys I wish you can see her beautiful face on this day she is fresh faced she is just angelic and I'm I'm so excited to see this film ah well you're you're very kind and uh yeah you will not see this uh this face being as angelic in this <laughs> which is Love so it. cool like yeah. again it throws people <laughs> off that's what that's part of the fun yeah. so keep them guessing keep absolutely. Them guessing. absolutely keep them wanting more <laughs> <laughs> well Love thank it. you so much emily for coming on today again yeah. shout out thank you to matt kelly for connecting us this Ooh, was awesome. that. yeah and like we Damn. said stay in touch this is awesome we're super yeah. excited for you to be at scream la and yeah we're just excited to see what happens for you thanks for listening to fem regard podcast if you like what you hear tune in every friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals we can only grow with your support so please subscribe share rate and review you can also join the fem fam on patreon for more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.